um, take our prayer. This morning we're going to be praying, as is customary, First Timothy 2 from verse 1 to 4. You know, Pastor taught us during the Your Love World series, he says the reason why people don't pray like this, especially Christians, why Christians don't pray like this is because they know not. And thank God for um, the insight that has been brought to us at such a time as this. So we're going to be praying according to the scripture because this is the first thing that he asked us to do. He says from verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who we have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. So right now, let's unmute ourselves and let's begin to pray. Pray for all men with all manner of prayers. Most especially those that are in authority, in every level, every facet of authority, every every sector of leadership. Yes, because this is the will of God, is acceptable in His sight. Let's go ahead, speak it in other tongues. In other tongues, intensely, intensely. Oh, <laughs> 
Oh Lord, for you are a great God. You are an awesome God. Hallelujah. You the earth is filled with your goodness. Hallelujah. And your wish for all men is that they come to the understanding of God. And accept of God all that you did done for them. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Because the hearts of men of God are yielded of God. And easily persuaded by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Even in this time of God in the world, Many more, hallelujah, are receptive to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the leaders of God in every cradle and every level of God. From the school teachers, from the least governing body. Yes, hallelujah, to the presidency of the different nations. Yes, oh God, you have our authority, dear oh God. You build them the way you choose, hallelujah, because you do, you, you, you. 
You created leadership, oh God. You created the government, hallelujah. You created the government body of God for law and order, hallelujah. Not to cause chaos in the world. Henceforth, oh God, we then no longer lead according to their senses, oh God. Oh, the presidents of your word in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yet in the name of the Lord Jesus, you put people around them, oh God, that will cost them, oh God, to see the things your way, hallelujah, and according to your prescribed manner, hallelujah, and the way that you want it to be, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, precious Father, we thank you. We exalt your holy name, hallelujah. We see changes, hallelujah. We see changes in the governments of nations, hallelujah. To from the seemingly inconsequential of God to the highest levels and rankings of God, of authority in our different nations, in our cities of God, in our localities, in our provinces of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, precious Father, for in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise, Praise the Lord. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Over to the esteemed Amarak. Thank you. Thank you so much, PD. Thank you for a powerful session of prayer. It's always a beauty to have you lead us in prayer. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Depending on where you're connected from today, and um, I want to say congratulations. Even though we didn't start this on the 1st of January, that is everybody, um, I had started with a friend, you know, and um, I think it was either 17th or 18th when we all came on board and started together. But um, I'm grateful to God that today's 31st of January is the end of the first um, month. And it's been a beautiful journey, you know, with you all. Um, knowing that we have co-believers that are holding each other accountable for their spiritual growth you know, it's something that is wonderful to celebrate. And, um, you know, I was just thinking this morning, contrary to the plans of the deep states, contrary to the plans of the enemies all around the world, we have had a great January. And I think that is something worth celebrating, is something worth giving thanks to God for. And wherever you are, I, I want you to take the next one minute to thank God Thank God. Thank God for the kind of life you've had this January. Trust me, if you know in the details what Deep State had planned, what many governments had planned for their people, it, it, the script didn't play out. And that's because we were praying and we're pushing, you know, financially, spiritually, materially, in every way. And if you're here, your money is not going into the gospel. The Bible says that he that is not gathering with me is catching with me. I tell people, I say, if you're not building with God, you don't have to agree that you're building with the devil. He does not need your permission. He involves you in his building. The only way you take yourself out of his work is that you go and join the work of God that he's building. This is a time in the age of the world where there are just two sides and it's the spiritual war. 
if you went through COVID-19 last year and you followed the journey and you see all that the governments of the world are doing, everything that's happening, if you never thought that life was spiritual, I believe you should know by now. So if you're listening to me and your money, there's no part of your money every month. You say, oh, I earn salary or I do business. That goes into the funding of the gospel. Where's your money going to? When we stand before God, he's not going to ask you to present your Harvard certificate. So if you are gathering money to go to Harvard, beautiful. But is that the most important thing now? If, you, if, you're, if you're going to do it, you know, I, I used to tell people the way I was raised as a Christian, I don't spend on myself what I haven't first spent on God. So if you're going to take 50 million or however that amount is to go to Harvard, my first question is, have you given God 50 million at once? And you say, oh, do you, is it God that we give the money? Do we give the money to well, if you've been following us and inspired by the word by now, there are many things you come to understand. When God told the children of Israel to take all their wealth, we are going to get there. You see it when they needed to build something. And God said, tell the Israelites, they should give you their earrings. They should give you everything. Was it God they brought the earrings to? Was it God they brought the gold to? They brought it to his servant Moses. But before God, they brought it to him. They are stipulated structures in the Bible and they are not for us to question, they are for us to do. Because at the end of the day, we will all show up before God. You throw a stone up, it will come down. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe it, but if you throw it up, it will come down. So that we don't believe the things of God doesn't make it um, a lie. God is God and God will always be God against the atheist belief. There's a movie I'll recommend. It's called A Case for Christ. Pastor Debbie will share the link on the group when we are done. It's an investigative um, journalist who wanted to prove that Jesus is a lie. And lo and behold, he saw that all the records, history, medical, and science proved that Jesus existed, proved that he died, proved that he resurrected, proved that he ascended. So sometimes people think that the Bible, the, the things in the Bible are just Bible stories. No, they are historical facts. They are medical facts. They are scientific facts that actually prove that these things happened. They were documented in history. So sometimes to drive home your conviction, you need to see such a movie. Pastor Debbie is going to post it on the group. A case, the Case for Christ, that's the title of the movie. And for those who are coming for the Complete People Initiative retreats that's holding in Lagos, Nigeria, or you're watching online, there's also a, 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 a two-part movie we're going to be showing that has to do with Christian commitment. The life that we're living is not a joke, and nobody should joke about their life. Not at this time. Not at this time. If you've played all your life, that play ends now. Take your life's project very seriously. So that at least when you stand before God, you have something to offer. You have something to account for. And that's why God brought you here. Praise God. Today's Rhapsody, 31st of January. I said we should take a minute to thank God, right? Please feel free to unmute your mic. Just take the next one minute. Thank God. Thank God for a beautiful January that you enjoyed. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to know you. Thank you, O God, for a beautiful January 2021. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Amen. And for those of you who are Christians and understand, of course, we're all Christians here, you understand first fruit. January is the month of first fruit. Pay it. If you've not been paying your first fruit, this is the year that it's going to be dangerous if you eat it. The Spirit of God is asking me to tell you, pay your first fruit. And just in case you don't know what the first fruit is about, I can send you a message that talks about the first fruit. You can drop your email address on the group when we are done. But do not eat your first fruit this year because your first fruit of January is what is going to secure the rest of the months of the year. Because trust me, deep state is at it to ensure that all the economies of the world crumbles. Many people that we know lost their job last year. Some lost all means of livelihood. In that darkness, there were many who rose, rose higher and higher more than ever before in their business industries. He said, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness, the people. He said, but my light, my glory shall arise and it shall be seen on you. If there's one year when darkness will certainly cover the earth and gross darkness, the people, this is that year. But this is also that year that the darker the darkness in the world, the brighter our light will shine. And that's why God can boldly tell us that this is the year of the billions. That's why he can boldly tell us that this is the year when we'll walk on waters. They'll put the water there like a flood. It's supposed to be a flood that will drown people, then you walk on it. Sunday, 31st January, the ministry of love, Revelations 2, 1 to 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou had left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Amazingly, I haven't read the devotional, but it seems like the devotional is in line. God is calling some people to the, to, to, the, to the right way of doing things as a Christian. I begin the devotion, I say, think about this. Even after the Lord praised the church in Ephesus for all their labor, he had something against them. They had left their first love. What was the first love? Evidently, it refers to their love and passion for Jesus Christ, shown through their love for the brethren. Their love and passion for Jesus Christ shown through their love for the brethren. When you say you love Jesus, the proof of your love for Jesus is shown in your love for the brethren. 
what I, you, you know, I, I was, I was, I was talking um yesterday. I had a a, a vision board um session. Some of you here attended that class, and I was saying that there is a place of service in God's house. There is a place where you must lead in God's house, where you must be responsible for at least one to three persons. Because the work that you do in the house of God, it is the proof of your love for Christ. Jesus said, there are people who appear before me on that day. He said, oh, we heal the sick in your name. We cast out devils in your name. He will say, I was in the prison, you didn't visit me. He said, I was sick in the hospital. You did not come to visit me. I was hungry, you didn't give me food. He said, but Jesus, when were you sick and we didn't visit you? When were you hungry and we didn't give you food? He said, if you did not do it for those that were with you, then you didn't do it for me. This scripture is in the Bible. Don't be that one that goes to church on Sunday. As they are sharing the grace, they have not finished, you jumped out. What is your relevance in the house of God? Are you a servant in the house? Somebody cleaned the seat that you came to sit on. Somebody cleaned it. Somebody mopped the floor that that your shoe stepped on. Somebody is training people every day, bringing people, going out for evangelism, bringing them into the house just so somebody will know about Jesus, just so somebody's life can be better. Many of you have testimonies of how this devotional is helping you grow as a Christian. How many of you have brought your friends? You see, the, your love and passion for Jesus Christ is shown through their love and passion for the brethren. The Ephesian church was a church that was known to love the Lord and the brethren. In Paul's epistle to them, right from the first verse, he addressed them as the faithful in Christ Jesus, to, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.1. In the fifth verse, he noted their love for all the saints. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love for, and love unto all the saints, Ephesians 1 verse 15. This was the first love he charged them with living in Revelation. This was the first love he charged them with living in Revelation 2 verse 4. So they used to love the saints. They used to do works of love. But he said they have, they, they now, they ignore the saints. You that you used to be in the first timers ministry that you will have to follow up. When they say somebody is sick, you volunteer to go and visit. You will go to the hospital, you will lay hands on the person. You will set up a team that is going to the hospital every day. Where did that love go to? You that used to go for evangelism all the time. Where did the love go to? Where did your love for Christ go to? Now it's about business. Now it's about, he go put food from my table. Is he going to bring money? That's what it's about now. Jesus is saying, return to your first love. This is 1 John 4.20 says, if a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he's a liar. For he had loved he that loveth not his brother whom he had seen. How can he love God whom he had not seen? To love Jesus, you must express it in loving God's people. By loving the brethren. By loving the brethren. You show that you love Christ. 
1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Paul was writing about God's people and how their expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ should be in their relationship with others. Jesus told the Ephesian church to do the, the first works, loving Christ so much that they express it in loving others. Thus, the love of God you demonstrate in action towards those you can see is so important. Do you remember those that labor or work with you? Do their conditions affect you or are you hard-hearted hard towards them? There's something I started with some friends. I was in the teens ministry. It was in 20, was this 20? I think this was 20, 2012, 2013. I was in teens ministry. And um, then um, we had teenagers who we used to pastor. Some of them are even here. They are now adults. In fact, they are even getting married already. <laughs> Praise God. So um, there was something we, we used to do then because teenagers are um, transiting from secondary school, high school into the university. And at times like that, they need to write certain exams. So back then, my friends and I would pay for, um, in, if you're in Nigeria, you know Waek, or if you're in West Africa, uh, jam less, jam, um, we'll buy the jam form, we'll pay for the lessons, have them go to class, attend class so that they can write the exams. This was, um, the exam from <clears throat> that takes them from secondary school into the university. There were times when we came together, we'll go to the juvenile facility, we'll buy toiletries, buy ministry materials, um, rap studio realities um, for, for teenagers, it's called TiVo. We'll gather things together and then on a particular day, we'll take it there, we'll preach to them, we'll lead them to Christ and then we'll give them food, give them bathroom slippers, give them toiletries, you know, different things. And there were times when even within, you know, when I came into the haven and I became a leader in the haven, some of my leaders are here. They've been with me through the years. When we have a first time that comes to us, one of the things I trained them to do was look, be sensitive to your environment, be sensitive to the people that God brings to you. And there are times when I'll call one of them and I'll, or I'll call some of them and I'll say that, have you guys noticed that this person only has one shirt? Or have you noticed that this lady has been wearing the same thing? She looks like she wears a size eight. Angela, you wear a size eight. Pastor Debbie, you wear a size eight. Can you bring, how many clothes can you bring Next week, Saturday, this person will say, I'll bring two. This person will say, I'll bring three. This person will bring one. I remember Joy giving two of her shoes. We say, okay, find out what size of shoe she wears. We'll bring all of them together. Before you know it, we probably have 10 clothes and five shoes. And by the next cell meeting, we put everything together and we say, hello, sister. It's good to have you join our family. We just thought that these clothes and these shoes would be nice for you and we'll give the person Maybe if she worked for two years, she would never have bought those things. So we did not need to spend money. We just went back to our wardrobe. There was basically, there's basically any lady that is in my circle that has not received a material gift from me. If it's not sure I'm giving, I'm giving bag. If I'm not giving bag, I'm giving clothes. They know that when they come to my house, they can harass me and pick my things. They know. They know that if they see me wearing something, they can harass me and the next day I'll bring it and give it to them. Because I understand that it is in the person that I can see. My love for Jesus. See, there are people who give in church. It's important. You remember that's what I started with. 
giving for the gospel. So they give, they come out, they call them the winner words. But somebody's school fees was just 30,000 naira, less than $100. He came to you. You said you did not have the money, but you had the money. But you give in church and they'll call you for awards. The, the rhapsody is for you today. I'm not the one that wrote it. And the Bible scriptures inside the rhapsody, I'm not the one that wrote it. The people that you can see. So people will give in church, their mom is stabbing. I've told my people, you're, you're, you're giving to your parents on a monthly basis. The money you send home to your family, it is partnership. Add it, plan for it, and send it. It's not negotiable. The Bible says, so that it may be well with you, so that you may live long. Many young people have died out of accident, died out of certain troubles and trials in life. Why? They ignored their parents. Don't be doing things in church and ignore your family. This is what this rhapsody is telling you today. If you have to set a standing order from the bank, set it that on the 20-something of every month, that money should be debited from your account to your mother or to your father. Set it. It is partnership where God is. God does not joke with it. They paid your school fees through school. Now you have money. Your younger ones, they are still struggling to pay their school fees. It's a first Timothy 5, 8 says, but even he provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Paul was writing about God's people and how the expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ should be in their relationship with others. Jesus told the Ephesian church to do the first works, loving Jesus so much that they express it, to in, express it in loving others. Thus, the love of God you demonstrate in action towards those you can see is so important. Do you remember those that labor or work with you? Do their conditions affect you or are you hard-hearted towards them? Do you remember fellow ministers and laboring churches going through difficult times? These are things that must be foremost on your mind, foremost on your mind, foremost on your mind. If you've not been love ruled, if your actions haven't been motivated by love, just as Jesus told the efficient church to repent, you must repent as well. He said, if they didn't repent, he would take the church out of its place. That was what he meant by removing the candlestick out of its place. The church would no longer be there. Do you know that there are many churches through the history of time? Most of the work that Paul did, are you aware that it happened in Turkey? How did Turkey overnight become a Muslim nation? This is what the scripture is talking about. Because no system of this world can defeat the love of Christ. No, none. It does not exist. So the moment a church stops working in love, it's telling you that the candlestick will be taken away. Before you know it, the church that used to be in a particular location cannot be in the location anymore. You say they did not have money, they had to sell their property. COVID-19 last year, many churches stopped meeting. Maybe if the ministers of God taught about their love for the people and how that, they know that if they don't feed the people, nobody will feed them. They know if they don't stand for those people, nobody will stand for them. Maybe their love would have compelled them to be strong enough to stand. It was the absence of love. There are fights you get in as a leader. My people are here. They know. They know me. 
their fights, most of the fights that I've had to fight at different levels. See, I know what I'm talking about. It has been about my people. You cannot intimidate them. You cannot. I will not let you put them down. I will not let you victimize my people. No, not when God made me their leader. I will take the fight and I'll take it passionately. Anybody who knows me knows me that I'm that way. He said, if you've not been love ruled, if your actions haven't been motivated by love, just as Jesus told the efficient church to repent, you must repent as well. He said, if they didn't repent, he'll take the church out of his place. That was what he meant by removing the candlestick out of his place. The church will no longer be there. This shows that the relevance of the church is in its ministry of love. Walking in love has no alternative. Make up your mind and train yourself to walk in love. Don't be hardened against your brethren. They are going to do things to annoy you. Trust me, we've been there. We always are there from time to time. They are going to do annoying things. Some might betray you. Jesus had a Judah now. Why should you be different? Are you not like him? Why are you upset? Why did you leave church because you said somebody betrayed you? Why didn't Jesus stop the stop going to the cross and say, ah, Judah betrayed me. I can't take it anymore. Jesus, God, I'm so heartbroken. I'm not going to the cross anymore. No, it didn't count. Don't let it count. Don't let that betrayer count. Don't let it say, ah, the other time I opened my heart to love this person. I accepted the person. I once housed somebody who, who stole my things, stole my, my, the, the, there was another lady that was staying, staying with me. She stole that one's laptop, stole different things from, from our place and disappeared. Did it stop me from housing people? No, I've not only housed people, I've given people houses. Don't be hardened against your brethren, your siblings or even strangers. Let your heart be softened and be easily stirred to help. Be easily stirred to help. Today's rhapsody is a, is a, is a sermon, is a, is, a, is a message for all time. I can, I, can, I can talk about it for the next 10 hours because there are many testimonies and many examples of our, work, our love work. But God is ministering to somebody here and God has spoken to us. So those who need to make adjustments, make that adjustment. Praise God. I've taken a lot of time, longer than I would take in today's rhapsody, and I'm really sorry, but... Um, I think God needed me to say, share the things that I shared. And it's, it's for somebody, this is what has stood in your way. In the progress that you have not been making, this is it. So your answer has come. Congratulations. Praise God. Over to Sister Joy. She'll quickly take us through the affirmation and the further study and will jump in quickly in the Bible study. Congratulations, everyone. God bless you. Good morning, Ma. Thank you so much, Ma, for the opportunity. Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're reading 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Luke 23, 33 to 34. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male, fact and the male factors one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted 
and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Praise the Lord. We're going to be taking our confessions together. You don't have to unmute your mic. Um, the love nature of God in my spirit. In my spirit, eradicate and express everyone. Um, please, you don't have to unmute your mic. Just um, take it from wherever you are. Thank you. The love nature of God in my spirit causes me to radiate and express love to everyone. I'm full of love. I sincerely display kindness and grace and speak and believe the best of others in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Stamaka, for the opportunity. Right now, I would like to hand over to Bert Dozier to take us through the New Testament reading for the one-year Bible plan. Thank you, Thank you so much, Sister Jai. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. Thank you so much, Sister Maka. Um, going to, we're reading the book of Matthew. Um, we're Matthew 21. Today, we're reading the message translation. And um, Jesus is telling stories here. The story of the greedy farmhands. Verse 33 says, here's another story. Listen closely. There was a man, a wealthy farmer, who planted a vineyard. He fenced it, dug a wine press put up a watchtower, then turned it over to farmhands and went off on a trip. When it was time to harvest the grapes, he sent his servants back to collect his profits. The farmhands grabbed the first servant and beat him up. The next one they murdered. They threw stones at the third, but he got away. The owner tried again, sending more servants. They got the same treatment. The owner was at the end of his rope he decided to send his son. Surely, he thought, they will respect my son. But when the farm had saw the son arrive, they rubbed their hands in greed. This is the hair. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. They grabbed him, threw him out, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard arrives home from his trip, what do you think he will do to the farmhands? He will kill them, a rotten bunch and good riddance, they answered. Then he will assign the vineyard to farmhands who will hand over the profits when it's time. Jesus said, write, and you can read it for yourselves in your Bibles. So they are quoting the scripture. The stone the mason threw out is now the cornerstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. This is the way it is with you. God's kingdom will be taken back from you and handed over to people who will live out a kingdom life. Whoever stumbles on this stone gets shattered. Whoever the stone falls on gets smashed. When the religious leaders heard this story, they knew it was aimed at them. They wanted to arrest Jesus and put him in jail, but immediately, but, intimid but, but intimidated, by public opinion, they held back. Most people held him to be a prophet of God. Well, praise God. So this is really talking about what Sister Maka has been sharing about the accountability, you know, what God has given us to, what God gave to the people of the Jewish people then, they needed to be accountable for it. If not, it would be given to somebody else. And that opened the door for the Gentiles. Verse 22, we're reading from 1 to 14, the story of the wedding banquet. Verse 1 says, Jesus responded by telling still more stories. God's kingdom, he said, is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. 
He sent out servants to call in all the invited guests, and they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the guests, Look, everything is on the table. The prime rib is ready for, car for carving. Come to the feast. They only shrugged their shoulders and went off. One to weed his gardens, another to walk in his shop. The rest, with nothing better to do, beat up on the messengers and then killed them. <laughs> Imagine. The king was outraged and sent his soldiers to destroy those thugs and level their city. Then he told his servants, we have a wedding banquet all prepared, but no guests. The ones I invited weren't up to it. Go out into the busiest intersections in town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. The servants went out on the streets and rounded up everyone they laid eyes on, good and bad regardless. So the banquet was on, every place filled. Verse 11, when the king entered and looked over the scene, he spotted a man who wasn't properly dressed. He said to him, friend, how dare you come in here looking like that? The man was speechless. The king told his servants, get him out of here fast. Tie him up and ship him to hell and make sure he doesn't get back in. That's what I mean when I say many get invited, only a few make it. Praise God. Still talking about what Sister Marcus shared. So I'll be ha handing over to Brother John to take the book of Exodus quickly. I'll be taking the book of Exodus 20 from the message translation. Caesar. Um. <clears throat> So, from him, verse 19, we ended with God and Moses said. So, these are like the instructions that God gave to Moses. So, from verse 1, I am God. God spoke all these words. I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a life of slavery. No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything whatsoever, whatever, whether of things that, that fly or walk or swim, don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am God, your God, and I am a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them, to the third, and yes, even to the fourth generation of those who hate me. But I am unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Walk six days and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath unto to God, your God. Don't do any work. Not you, not your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, nor even the foreign guests visiting in your town. For in six days, God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath. He set it apart as a holy day. 
honor your father and mother so that you will live a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving you. No mother, no adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. All the people experiencing the thunder and lightning, the trumpet blast and the smoking mountain were afraid. They pulled back and stood at a distance. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't have God speak to us or we will die. Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you and instill a deep and reverent awe within you so that you won't sin. The people kept their distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. God said to Moses, give this message to the people of Israel. You've experienced firsthand how I spoke with you from heaven. Don't make gods of silver and gods of gold and then set them alongside me. Make me... Oh dear. Sorry, I'm outside. So my ears are noise. So verse, um, verse 22, God said to Moses, give this message to the people of Israel. You've experienced firsthand how I spoke with you from heaven. Don't make gods of silver and gods of gold and then set them alongside me. Make me an earthen altar. Sacrifice your whole bond offerings, your peace offerings, your sheep and your cattle on it. Every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship, I'll be there myself and bless you. If you use stones to make my altar, don't use dressed stones. If you use a chisel on the stones, you will profane the altar. Don't use steps to climb to my altar because that will expose your nakedness. Praise the Lord. Over to you, Sister Maka. Thank you so much, Brother John. Thank you. So I, I I'll just quickly run through chapter 21. Um, these are sessions of Bible reading, but there is the Bible study that we must all do for ourselves. <laughs> these are the laws that you are to place before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he will serve six years. The seventh year, he goes free for nothing. If he came in single, he lives single. If he came in married, he lives with his wife. If the master gives him a wife and she gave him sons and daughters, the wife and the children stay with their master and he lives by himself. But suppose the slaves say, should say, I love my master and my wife and children, and I don't want my freedom. Then his master is to bring him before God and to a door or a doorpost and pierce his ear with an owl a sign that he is a slave for life. When a man sells his daughter to be a handmaid, hand, handmaid, she doesn't go free after six years like the men. If she doesn't please her master, her family must buy her back. Her master doesn't have the right to sell her to foreigners since he broke his word to her. If he turns her over to his son, he has to treat her like a daughter. If he marries another woman, she retains all her full rights to meals, clothing, and marital relations. If he won't do any of these three things for her, she, must, she, she goes free for nothing. If someone hits another and death results, the penalty is death. But 
if that if there was no intent to kill, if it was an accident, an act of God, I'll set aside a place to which the killer can flee for refuge. But if the mother was premeditated, cunningly plotted, then drag the killer away even if it's from the altar to be put to death. If someone hits father or mother, the penalty is death. If someone kidnaps a person, the penalty is death, regardless of whether the person has been sold or is still being held in possession. Is still held in possession. If someone causes father or mother, the penalty is death. If a quarrel breaks out and one hits the other with a rock, a rock or a fist, and the, and the injured one doesn't die, but is confined to the bed and then later gets better and can get about on a crutch. The one who hit him is in the clear, except to pay for the loss of time and make sure of complete recovery. If a slave owner hits a slave, male or female, with a stick and the slave dies on the spot, the slave must be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he's not to be avenged. The slave is the owner's property. When there's a fight and in the fight, a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries, but is not otherwise hot. <clears throat> Sorry. The one responsible has to pay whatever the husband demands in compensation. But if there is further damage, then you must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, bone for bone, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If a slave owner hits the eye of a slave or handmaid and ruins it, the owner must let the slave go free because of the eye. If the owner knocks out the tooth of the male or female slave, the slave must be released and go free because of the, because of the tooth. If an ox gorges or a man or a woman to death, the ox must be stoned. The meat cannot be eaten, but the owner of the ox is in the clear. But if the ox has a history of goring and, and the owner knew it and did nothing to guard against it, then if the ox kills a man or a woman, the ox is to be stoned and the owner given the death penalty. If a ransom is agreed upon instead of death, he must pay it in full as a redemption for his life. If a son or daughter is gored, the same judgment holds. If it is a slave or a handmaid, the, the ox gores. 30 shekels of silver is to be paid to the owner and the ox stoned. If someone uncovers a cistern or digs a pit and leaves it open and an ox or donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit must pay whatever the animal is worth uh, to its owner, but can keep the dead animal. If someone's ox injures a neighbor's ox and the ox dies, then they must sell the live ox and split the price. They must also split the dead animal. But if the ox had a history of goring and the owner knew it and did nothing to guard against it, the owner must pay an ox for an ox, but can keep the dead animal. Praise God. I'm going to hand over quickly to Brother Martins to take us through the affirmation. Thank you so much, everyone, and congratulations. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. I hope you can hear me. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to you, esteemed Sister Mara. Okay, um, the affirmation <clears throat> this morning. I'm going to take it um, the usual way we take the affirmations. My name is, you say your name, and then you take the first paragraph. The second paragraph also, you say your name, then I'm granted according to the riches like that. Same also with the third and continuously. Praise the Lord. At the count of three, we'll go. I hope everyone can hear me. 
We can hear you. Okay. One, two, three. My name, My name is, is Praise God, hallelujah. Thank you so much. And the words that we have spoken, they are our reality in Jesus' name. Amen. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Please get your communion materials ready. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Dear Lord Jesus, we remember today all that you did for us. And indeed, we enjoy all that your deeds, your death, burial, resurrection, ascension, birthed in us and for us. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to celebrate our oneness with you. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please break the bread and eat it. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. These two years after so you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as he eats this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Thank you for the cup of the new covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> as often as we do this, we affirm that God is to us who the word says he is. Jesus Christ is to us who the word says he is. The Holy Spirit is to us who the word says he is. We are who the word says we are. We have what the word says we have. We can do what the word says we can do. And we are where the word says we are. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take the call. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you so much, everybody, for showing up and thank you for your consistency. Thank you for the time of fellowship. There's something about the corporate anointing when we come together. At this time, let's unmute and share the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the I love you. I love you. I love you.